It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. We're very pleased to be joined by the supervisor of European scouting for the San Jose Sharks, Shin Larson. Shin, you just wrapped up, if my math is correct, your 15th draft with the Sharks. So, as you've had a couple of days to reflect, you're actually currently at the airport in New York, heading back to Sweden this afternoon. If you, as you have reflected a little bit on this draft, what are your overarching thoughts on, on the 2022 draft? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, it was uh, exciting to have a live draft again. It's been virtual for two years, and it was nice to, to be back in a, a building full of fans and uh, with all the teams uh, uh, in in place again, so 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 that was nice. Uh, unfortunately, we 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 had a sad sad uh, uh, day with uh, our our good friend and uh, our uh, our colleague uh, Brian Marchman passing away, and uh, and that's something that uh, uh, made you made you forget about everything else for for uh, for a while there and. Uh, I still can't believe it's uh, uh, it happened, uh, and uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long time uh, before we understand. I think that he's he's passed away. He's dismissed by so many, and, and uh, that was that was really tough for for all of us. Yeah, a, a devastating loss for the scouting department first and foremost for the Sharks organization. A beloved figure, really, in the history of the Sharks, not only as a player but now in a a role as a scout and, and spending as much time as he has. It just just shocking news. And as you mentioned, even personally myself having uh, built a relationship with him over my time, it, it comes at uh, at such a shock, but it just so sudden too. And um, the way people spoke yeah. about him. Uh, in the NHL, the way he was uh, talked about during the draft gives you a great representation of the, of the type of person he was and the type of impact that he had on on so many. And I, I don't want you to have to dive into something that's so, I think, raw at this point and, and still probably you know emotionally shocking. But if you if you don't mind just yeah. t- touching on your experience with Brian as a person and the relationship you guys were able to build over these years as uh, members of the scouting department. Uh, yeah, I think we started uh, around the same time, uh, around 08, 09. And uh, uh, obviously I knew him as a player before then, uh, watching him play a lot. And uh, uh, first thing that struck me was just how humble of a person he was and uh, uh, how he always uh, had time. You know, if I wanted to ask something or needed help with something he was uh, uh, always there and always had time for him uh, and over the years we we got to be really close we're we're a close uh, group in the scouting staff and uh, he was such a huge part of that um, so it's just 
really sad and tough to to grasp that, that he's gone. Yeah, it's got to be one of those things again, um, as an organization as a whole, that it's going to take a long time um, for the yeah. for the organization to, to mourn this loss. It's a it's a huge loss. Um, switching gears maybe to a lighter topic, the draft as a whole. You were supposed to select eleventh overall. You end up trading back to twenty seven. You acquire a couple of second round draft picks that you did not have. Of course, the organization had traded their second rounder to Arizona last summer for Aiden Hill, and then they make another deal with Arizona. This time, moving again from eleven to twenty seven, picking up a couple of second round draft picks. Fill us in on how all of that transpired from your point of view, because the last two drafts have been virtual. This one was in person, which was very refreshing, I'm sure, for all. But these type type of deals, they seem to come down the wire pretty quickly. So fill us in on, from your perspective, how all this shook down and how the Sharks ended up acquiring a couple additional picks and moving back in that first round. Yeah, I just think uh, everything happens really fast uh, in, in the draft, but... Uh, uh we were really prepared we had a lot of meetings before that and we played out some different scenarios so that was one of the options we knew could happen uh, and also being all together around the table made it a lot simple and uh staying in the loop more of what was going on uh so once we, we found out we're gonna uh, do that deal and move uh, move back uh we were pretty excited because uh, that's some pretty good uh uh, picks uh, that we were getting uh, 27 34 and uh, 45 i think so uh, we were really excited about that and uh, first of all picking philippines that there in the second round uh, we felt really good about that uh, and we knew we had a chance for day two to get some some really good players as well we'll dive into the two swedes that were taking two of the top three picks the Sharks selected at. They were both Swedish-born players, actually played for the same team this past year. But just acquiring additional picks, moving back, and continuing to build the prospect pool, that is clearly something the organization has made a top priority over the last three years. Another draft in which you select nine additional players. But again, moving back to 27, drafting a player that you are very familiar with, being in your backyard, that's got to be a rewarding situation when you scout a player and you have intimate knowledge of a player and he's the name the organization ends up calling as the team uh, elected Philip Bestead with that 27th overall pick. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think uh, uh, first, uh, I, I don't really, you know, care where the players are from, you know, if they're from Sweden or Canada or, or the U.S. or as long as they're 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 uh, the players uh, that we want to get and uh, he was definitely one of those guys uh, that uh, many of us saw uh, in tournaments and obviously we myself and uh, and uh, Nicholas Sandstrom saw him uh, probably the most uh, since he's playing in Sweden and uh, he had a very strong uh, year both on the club team uh, playing for both the junior team and uh, uh, I think 15 games for the SHL uh, pro club uh, lean shopping as well um, winning the championships in the under 20 league in the end of the season and uh, and uh, also finishing finishing off with a u18 gold for for sweden there so uh, yeah we were very excited to to be able to to pick him where we got him 
How valuable was it for you from a scouting standpoint to see him play in 15 games in the SHL, the highest lead in Sweden, be able to kind of compare his game to men? How, how valuable was that for you in your evaluation? No, I think it's, it's always uh, helpful when you can watch the live competing against uh, men that are pros already. Uh, at the same time, it's, uh, it's also uh, hard a lot of times because a lot of games they only play maybe five or six uh, minutes. I think some games he ended up playing quite a bit and, and uh, he, he did really well. So when you see that, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's always uh, uh, good for your evaluation, for sure, that you've been able to, to watch them live in those situations. The first thing you notice about this player is his size. He's got great size, and I think he'll be able to grow more into his body over the next couple of years as he works his way through the system. But give us an idea, a scouting report on, on what type of player he is. Yeah, I think this uh, he's, a, he's a really rare uh, uh, combination of, with his size, and at the same time, he has high, high-end uh, uh, skill tools, uh, like his puck handling and then hockey sense, his skating, as you mentioned. Uh, so that whole package together uh, makes it uh, makes him really interesting. I think uh, he's he's still young like the other guys, so so he he's, he's gonna need time, and he he still has to to, to get stronger uh, and more experience. But uh, we're we're really excited where he's at uh, right now. We're talking to Shin Larson. He oversees the scouting department for the Sharks in Europe. This draft specifically, everyone is different. And when I spoke to Doug Wilson Jr. leading into the draft, he said you've got to kind of approach every draft as its own identity, its own entity. They're all different. Every player, every grouping is different. But this draft specifically, there were some high-end players, but then it was kind of, I would say, there was some gray area where players would slot in. It depended on where the team viewed them. Is that how you guys view this draft as well? That 11, where you were originally expected to pick, and then 27, there was a lot of value that you could gain by moving back just because of the depth of this draft and kind of the versatility of the draft. Yeah, I think uh, we always felt that it was uh, that the, this draft had a pretty good uh, depth, uh, especially over in, in Europe. I think there was uh, we had a lot of players we were interested in. So, uh, uh, watching the first 10 picks uh, in the draft, we still felt that there was a lot of good players uh, left uh, on the board. So you drafted 27, that completes day number one, and then you have a couple of early picks in day number two because of that trade with the Arizona Coyotes, something you did not have when the draft began. So you make a couple of picks in that second round, and you go back into your backyard, and you draft another player out of Sweden, giving us the scouting report on Bistead. You end up uh, taking another kid who just happened to be his teammate, and Matthias Havlid. Give us an idea of this player and what uh, Sharks fans should be excited about yeah i think uh matthias Havelid, he he's a really exciting player uh, i enjoyed watching him uh every game you know he, he's such a, a creative uh, player uh, he's not the biggest guy but he he always found uh, ways to, to catch your attention and uh, uh grew on us the whole the whole season and i think especially in the end he was fantastic both uh, winning under 20 uh, championships with uh, with lean shopping and then uh, especially the U18 Worlds. Uh, in, in my opinion, he was the best defenseman in that tournament. Uh, just 
high, high-end uh, offensive-minded uh, defenseman with his skating and his hockey sense and uh, his shot, his shot and uh, passing abilities. Uh, there's a lot to, to work with there for him. You mentioned that he really came on in that second half at a great U18 tournament. Do you think, in your opinion, now we played quite a bit in the SHL, but had he really found that group earlier in the season, would you have seen him maybe sneaking his way into, into the first round? And did you guys see a lot of value where you, where you got him in the second round? Yeah, I think we did, for sure. We, we wouldn't have been surprised if he uh, sneaked into the first round with a strong finish of the season that he had. Uh, but I think because he's a smaller defenseman, uh, uh, we, we, uh, we still... We're hoping that there was going to be a chance for us uh, to, to to pick him in the second round, and and uh, luckily it uh, worked out. Sharks first rounder from last year, William Eklund. He played against both Matthias and against Philip this past year in the SHL. Seeing Eklund keeping your tabs, obviously on one of your top prospects, but then seeing him compete against these two players, did that kind of raise maybe the attention on these guys? Was there any impact given the fact that you had one of your top prospects playing in the same league? Uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, you you probably catch them uh, uh, maybe more than you would uh, if not William would have been there because I ended up watching a lot of the SHL games uh, and uh, particularly particularly when uh, Jurgen played a team like Linköping that had a couple of young guys that were interesting for us for the draft too. Uh, so maybe a little bit, um, but uh, those guys were uh, both Beestet and Havely were were seen by everybody so uh, they were they were quite uh, they were quite uh, uh, big targets I think for all the scouts uh, this year. Matthias his father Nick played in the National Hockey League in fact according to Doug Wilson Jr. Matthias was actually born in California I assume while his dad was playing for the Ducks given the fact that his pops has an NHL lineage and it kind of runs in the family does that impact kind of the intrigue of a player knowing that his dad played in the NHL as well? Yeah we, we talked about that a little bit and I think it's always uh, uh, an advantage it's not a bad thing anyways when you have a, a father that uh, was uh, playing in the NHL and uh, can, uh, can give you uh, a lot of the advice of uh, what, what come with, comes with being a pro at that level. So uh, it, it definitely helps, I, I think. We're talking to Shin Larson oversees the European scouting department for the Sharks. Live NHL draft, we talked about it a little bit, finally returning back to a live event after a couple of years virtually. What was it like to get the whole group together and then have the draft in a place like Montreal? and have the Canadians picking number one and all the dramatics that kind of went into the start of the draft. What was the entire experience like for you? Yeah, I, I remember the uh, last time we were in Montreal, I think it was 2009. Uh, that was my, I think, first uh, draft uh, with the Sharks. And uh, uh, I remember how uh, uh, how, how uh, exciting it was and uh, and all the fans were, that were there. And, uh, and uh, it was even more so this time around, I think, after two long years with the uh, uh, COVID and the virtual drafts. Uh, so I think they did a great, uh, great job. And uh, as you said, they had the first overall pick. So, so, so that helped uh, as well. Yeah. And uh, I, I love the, the roar in the crowd when, when they made that first pick and then when they made the trade as well, it just added to the, to the excitement of the whole event. Uh, Brian Gross, uh, Gillies Cotier, a couple of longtime scouts for the Sharks. They will uh, hang up their, their scouting glasses if you will uh and retire after and basically retired after this draft 
you guys were very versatile in the players you drafted. You pretty much went into almost what felt like every league. You went into high school. You went into the Western League. You went overseas. You went to the Quebec League. Did Brian or Gillies pound the table for any specific players, given the fact that this was going to be their, their last draft? And did you guys try to kind of maybe throw a bone their way for some guys that they really evaluated hard? Yeah. Uh, both of them, uh, I think, are, are such uh, – have been such big parts of our, our, our groups too. So I think uh, uh, Doug Wilson Jr. Uh, you know we're we're pushing them extra hard to to, to really uh, bring out who, who which players they like the most. And uh, that we had uh, we had Jills uh, there uh, live, and then uh, Brian Gross was uh, on Zoom with us uh, during some of the meetings there. So uh, they were definitely the big big part of. Uh, this guy. with the draft now in the rearview mirror you're in new york you're going to fly back home to sweden today i'm sure your wife linda will be really excited for you to return home your kids nils and eric what's the plan moving forward what is it like post-draft is this now an opportunity for you to get away from work a little bit to, and maybe enjoy a, a quote-unquote off season for a scout w what do things look like over the next i'd say month or so yeah I uh, yeah, they'll, they'll hopefully be excited that, that I'm uh, coming back and have a few weeks uh, off uh, from, from hockey. Uh, both our boys, uh, Nils and Eric, they, they play and uh, they have hockey schools and camps and stuff. So I won't be totally out of the rinks, uh, even though I'm, I'm off from, from scouting. Uh, and I think that part uh, is uh, different now, too, that uh, uh, the, the, the off season is much shorter now than it. It used to be, in fact, the uh, end of the month, I'm heading over again to, to Canada to, to watch the under-18 uh, Linka tournament there. So it's not, uh, it's, not, it's not a long, long break, but uh, we all love hockey, so, so why not? Yeah, it, it's, it probably works out good. As soon as the, the family starts getting sick of you, then you're able to head out for a little bit and uh, yeah. get away for a little. Uh, speaking right. of your sons, you said they played hockey. You're a scout by trade, but do you get on the ice with, with those guys and do you try to coach them up or, or do you coach maybe from a distance? Yeah, I, I have been helping out on, on both my son's teams, uh, more as uh, moving the pucks around and, uh, and uh, staying, uh, staying out of it uh, as much as I can. But uh, I really, really enjoy being around the uh, uh, them and their friends uh, when they're on their ice and I'm, I'm really happy that they uh, found the love for, for hockey uh, as well. So it's good fun. Quickly, I want to go back on your journey a little bit. Again, I believe this was your 15th draft with the organization. You spent some time in Atlanta within their scouting department prior, but if you don't mind for Sharks fans who are still Try and understand kind of the, the yeah. different areas of the scouting department, the different yeah. members that make it up. And you're one of the one of the top guys, especially over in Europe when it comes to the scouting department. But if you don't mind kind of filling us in on your scouting journey and how you joined the Sharks, how you got to this point and what kind of led in post-playing career to what you're doing now. Uh, yeah, uh, I played myself and I uh, retired when I was 31. I played quite a few years overseas, even though it wasn't on the NHL level. I, I played in Japan for 10 years. I had a dual citizenship, so I was able to, to play for their national team in uh, world championships and Olympics and uh, some big tournaments like that. And then uh, also spent a year in France and a year in England. So uh, it was uh, uh, 
was a very exciting hockey hockey journey and, and tells you that uh, even though you you don't make it to the real top of the world with uh, playing in the NHL there's uh, a lot of other uh, opportunities opportunities there as well uh, uh, for, for for hockey players so that was my my playing career and and after that I wasn't sure what I was going to do but I had some friends that were in scouting uh, well, one of my best friends growing up is Patrick Alvin. He's now the GM of the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, he had started scouting a, a few years earlier than me. And uh, if I remember correctly, I think uh, uh, Tim Burke uh, was talking to him uh, a little bit. And, uh, and uh, he, he put in a good word for me, Patrick. So uh, that gave me the, the opportunity with the Sharks. Um, and even with Atlanta before that, I was with them two years and I mainly did uh, uh, pro scouting for them, uh, covering the tournaments in Europe and uh, uh, the top leagues in, in Sweden and Finland. Uh, but that was uh, only part-time. And then uh, when I got the opportunity to start with the Sharks, it was uh, my first uh, full-time job uh, as a scout. Uh, and I have uh, loved it from day one. I think uh, we've been very lucky I have been very lucky to work for great people in, in San Jose and together with great people, uh, Doug for, for these 14, 15 years uh, and, uh, and Tim and then Joe Will and, uh, and, and all the guys. So uh, uh, it, it's been a good ride for sure. I, I find that stuff just, just very interesting on how people begin and, and then start their path. You said you did some pro scouting with Atlanta and you're, you're doing, I, I believe you do a little bit of both in Europe, if I'm not mistaken, but maybe more so predicated on the amateur side. What do you like about scouting the kids as opposed to guys who are already at the professional level? Yeah, I, I really enjoy doing both. Uh, I think it uh, uh, makes it more interesting when you see both sides of uh, scouting. Uh, obviously, the younger guys is... Uh, I think more difficult because you're trying to project what they're going to be like in uh, two, three, five years. And that's, uh, that's really difficult. It almost feels like a lottery sometimes, uh, uh, but it's interesting to follow their journeys and uh, even look back at some earlier drafts or some of the players you were, you were watching maybe five or 10 years ago, how, how that worked out for them. Uh, with the pro guys, I, you know, it's more, it's more what you see what what you see is what you get, but uh, at the same time they're playing over in Europe and uh, they're on big guys and uh, the biggest and the hardest part with them I think is just uh, to see who would uh, be able to uh, convert their games over to North American style and playing on smaller ice and uh, it's almost like two different sports sometimes uh, the way it's played over over in North America and the way it's played over in in Europe. So uh, no, I, I enjoy. Working with both uh, pro and amateur, I think yeah, that varies it up really, really good. Going quickly back to your playing career, you mentioned that you've played in Japan professionally for quite some time. You've got dual citizenship. You also represented Japan at the Olympics. Give us an idea of what the hockey culture is like in Japan, because when you think of hockey, Japan doesn't necessarily come to the top of the list. No. Uh, I think I was uh, a little lucky there, too. They... they they knew they were going to have the Olympics in 1998. So they actually, early 90s, they, they scanned pretty much the whole hockey world for, for guys like me that are uh, that have a mother or father Japanese or grandparents maybe that are Japanese. 
and uh, I got the opportunity to go over there uh, uh, 1994 and uh, signed a four-year contract and uh, they, they told me there's a good chance that I could play the Olympics if I if I uh, went over there uh, so that was uh, for me that was a great to, to see my, my background on my family and live over there and experience that. And, and hockey-wise, uh, I didn't really know what to expect, uh, as you say, because it's not uh, the biggest hockey country, but uh, I was actually surprised at how professional it was. It was six teams in Japan at the time and, and every team was run really professionally. It was uh, bigger companies that, uh, uh, kind of used the hockey teams as a, a marketing uh, marketing thing, and they, they they put in a lot of money and the effort into making those teams as good as they were. So, so I had a great time over there. Tell me if you if you will a little bit about your parents. Which parent is from Japan, and, and how did you end up growing up in Sweden? How did that all? happen and come to be yeah my uh, my mother is uh, japanese and uh, my father is swedish and uh, my mom uh, she uh, when she was younger she was always uh, intrigued by sweden and wanted to go there and uh, uh, she found different ways or to to, to go over, over there a few times and uh, on one of the trips she she ended up meeting my dad and uh, and uh, she stayed uh, ever since so so that's uh, around 50 years now i think she's lived in in sweden and as they say, I guess the rest is history, but that's uh, it's a yeah. fascinating story and uh, yeah. just a, an incredible background, truly. Talking about scouting and how things have changed since when you first began with the Sharks, what would you say is probably the biggest difference in the scouting world and how the processes are compared to when you first began? I think it's, uh, it's, it's uh, ever-changing, the scouting, uh, scouting world. Uh, uh, remains the same I think is that you, you you still have to put in the same amount of work you know you have to go to all of those games you have to to, to go there with your mind sharp and uh, with an uh, open sense of uh, watching all these players and uh, you, ha you have to do it all over and over and over again I think that's that, that will never change uh, uh, if, if you want to uh, find some good players uh, I think there are more scouts now Compared to when I worked, there's a lot more scouts. I know, uh, even with us, uh, for a while it was just me and uh, late uh, Carol Masopus that was over in Europe, and uh, now we're five of us uh, in Europe working with this. So it's uh, that's one one of the things that have uh, changed. I think you mentioned it. you're you're in the projection business, especially with these young players, where you are projecting years out on what they will become. But what are a few foundational pieces that a player has to have for them to be considered as a player that the organization would select? No, I think we uh, that changes too a little bit uh, depending on what's trending or not. But uh, I think now for sure you have to be uh, you have to be uh, like smart hockey wise. You have to be be able to to play play at a fast pace and. Uh, uh, know how to, to handle different situations and uh, obviously skating is a big part also uh, the game is so fast today that uh, if you're not a good skater then you have to really have some other tools that stick out and uh, and uh, and saves you a little bit uh, but I think hockey sense and, and skating are the, uh, probably the biggest 
biggest parts. In your opinion, is scouting more of an art or is it more of a science? Uh, good question. Really good question. But uh, I think it's uh, a combination of both. Uh, I have to, I have to say. Uh, first and foremost, it's uh, it's maybe more of an art form for me. But I understand uh, that uh, the analytics side is uh, is something that uh, all the teams now are using a lot. And uh, anything that can help you uh, find the players or make your team better. Uh, you have to you have to take advantage of it for sure. There's about roughly 11 million people in Sweden. There's 40 million in the state of California alone. Yet Sweden continually year after year pumps out NHL talent. What would you say is the biggest thing you can attribute to the fact that this nation continues to provide some of the world's best hockey players? The biggest thing I think that is that the kids have always had had. had uh, like really good role models to, to, to watch uh, over in uh, uh, the NHL throughout the years. Uh, when I grew up, it was uh, players like uh, Mats Naslund or Pelle Eklund or uh, and, and after after them, uh, Mats Sandin, Niklas Lidstrom and Peter Forsberg came. And when you have those uh, uh, big stars uh, playing over in the NHL and see what they do, uh, that's why kids in Sweden want to play play hockey. Uh, so, so I think uh, we we owe a lot to those uh, to those guys that uh, laid the groundwork uh, earlier years. You said sometimes the European game is almost a completely different game than what we see in North America. But the U.S. national program here in the states has continued to produce NHL players, high level NHL players, at least over the last I would say decade. And they followed a lot of what was occurring in Sweden from a developmental standpoint. Do you ever see any parallels in how they're producing players now in the U.S. compared to what you're seeing back home in Sweden? Yeah, I think uh, the, the playing styles are, are more close to each other than it used to be. Uh, even the Canadian national teams, I think, play more, more maybe of a European-style hockey now than they did uh, 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, that's just my, my opinion. And and everybody aren't maybe uh, six foot four and 220 pounds anymore. You have some smaller skill guys, even on like Canadian teams, especially the U.S. teams. They have a lot of, uh, I think, uh, smaller skill guys on their team now compared to before. I cannot thank you enough for the time. As always, always gracious with your time. I know you're trying to catch a flight as well, um, head back home. So we wish you a safe uh, flight back home, safe travels. But uh, Congrats on another draft, and thank you very much for the time. Oh, no problem. Thanks a lot, Nick.